Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. Today, we're going to be looking at the Metropolitan Division with Mark Scheig. He covers the... E Columbus Blue Jackets and the Erie Otters. I'm getting an echo for thehockeywriters.com. Anyway, let me bring in Chris. Good day to you, sir. Chris, can you hear me? Anyway, we're going to get into the latest PGK today. There were some roster transactions this week. They continued their running ways with a uh, pretty much disjointed effort against the Kings in the first two periods. They got a fluke goal to bring it to two to one, and then uh, Mark Stone with a nifty little deep move to beat Jonathan Quick, and then uh, Marshall came down in overtime. So we're going to be getting to all that. Let me check in with Chris. Chris, good day to you, sir. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. I do. All right. All right. That's good news. So uh, I was saying before, though no one heard me, so I don't know what I was actually saying is, uh, I was just talking about the labor piece news that you passed along to me during the week. So that was good to see. Uh, obviously, that's uh, like to see a longer-term extension, but for now – uh, it's good news, and uh, Lord knows the last number of CBAs that ran out, uh, it's been quite painful uh, in, in terms of uh, getting parties, uh, getting the players and the owners uh, to sign a new agreement and miss hockey along the way. So that was uh, good to see. Yeah, absolutely. It gives us three years of uh... – labor piece here, which coincidentally probably takes us past the next expansion in Seattle, which we had talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, later in the summer about how the, the, the labor negotiations were going to be affecting the expansion and how that was going to work out if they do a work stoppage before the, the Seattle team even gets to play. So yeah, we're looking at, we're looking at three years before and you know we when we, when we talked talk about it the week, week I said I, said, I, I don't think that the players would have done anything uh, uh, like, like this, this if they weren't happy, happy with, with the way, way 
negotiations have been going so far. So they probably are going to reach an agreement sometime between them. And now, which, yeah, nobody likes lockouts. It's bad for everybody. So that's good news this week. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll uh, we'll leave that at bay because uh, you know no one wants to hear all the ins and outs and escrow and enough of that. At least we don't have to talk about that for for a while. So uh, I coming back on heard you talking about a disjointed effort by the Golden Knights. Uh, I wonder if it's uh, uh, the curse that the hockey news has put on them. You know, uh, in the annual yearbook, they predicted the Knights to get back to the Stanley Cup Finals. And I remember a couple of years ago, they predicted that for the Edmonton Oilers, and they missed the playoffs. Well, so I wonder, if the, uh, <laughs> I wonder if it's the hockey news curse. Well, they haven't lost in preseason yet, but... Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, they were down 2 nothing to the Kings and really not playing well. Um, there were a lot of guys in the lineup that had never played with each other before. Obviously, it's preseason, so it was... Um, kind of a chaotic, disjointed effort, I'll say, through the first uh, two periods or so. And they, they got their first goal was a centering pass that went off the defenseman sticking in. And then later in the period, Mark Stone came down uh, on Jonathan Quick and super nice nifty move with the hands. Uh, Coach Bombay would call it the triple beak. And uh, be, be quick, far side, um, super nice tying goal. And then in, in overtime, three on three, March or so sprung free and came down with a uh, top shelf snipe right over Quick's left shoulder. And for what probably should have been a loss because the Kings played um, pretty much all their big boys Dowdy, Kopitar, Brown, Tafoli, Iafalo, Quick. Uh, they were all playing. Um, you know, the Golden Knights found a way to get a victory for what that's worth in the preseason. So, so far, so good in the preseason as far as wins and losses go. Now, they they have uh, trimmed their roster a little bit here, uh, announcing some transactions. A couple, a couple kids that look good and still need some more seasoning um, have have been reassigned. I'm pulling up the list now. So. Uh, I'm going to get past these. This morning, uh, Tyrell Goulburn, Brett Leno, and Jacob Magna, who had a sweet hit. Uh, I forget which king it was, but he curled off the boards into the half wall. And Magna's uh, 6'6", 240, I believe. And he curled off the half wall, and Magna was just standing there. And dude ran into a brick wall. So that was a nice a nice little glimpse of Magna. But they've, they've been uh, assigned to the Chicago Wolves. Um, yesterday, new, uh, Lucas Alvinas, Jake LeCision, and Gage Quinney, uh, Brayden Pacow, who was a new signing this week, have also been sent to Chicago Wolves along with Paul Cotter, Ben Jones, and Ty McGinn. So those are the latest uh, cuts from camp. Uh, previously any, um, pre- Go ahead. Yeah, any updates on the battle for the blue line with the youngsters? Um, I think so far Dylan Cogman has to be considered the favorite just based on production. Um, I'd say Nick Hague looks steady. There's nothing 
I don't see any flash in this game. He wasn't drafted, obviously. I think that, that's, his, that's his game, though. Yeah, that is his game, and he does he doesn't look out of place. He looks. There were a couple times where he kind of made the wrong read, but recovered from it okay. He was, you know, his skating was always the issue, and and he did kind of get out raced to a puck that led to a Kings breakaway. But um, other, other than that, um, Jimmy Schultz is really standing out to me so far in preseason as well. Um, he, he looks steady, but he has a little more, a little more dynamics to his game. I think it's probably going to come down to those three. I'll tell you who my my early season standout here in the preseason is Keegan Colasar. Um, when he's played, every time he's been on the ice, um, they're calling his name. He's he's carrying play and he's making himself noticed. I don't know. I I say super long shot because the forward core. Um, is pretty much intact. There might be one spot, but um, Keegan Colasar really is impressing me this camp. I will, I will say that. How's um, how's Cody Glass looking? And what's is there any buzz in terms of his chances of making the team? Not, not really. He the uh, first game I saw him, he look to get better. And this seems to be a, a part of his game um, that maybe he needs to work on, that as the game progresses, he gets better. It seems like he might be a slow starter, even in his first rookie camp uh, to now. The first day he kind of looked out of, out of touch. Then as camp wore on, he began to show better and give you glimpses. Uh, there's a couple plays in the last game where, um, he did the one, one play specifically. He came off the half wall on the power play, and instead of kind of skating towards the dot, he took an angle that brought him out to the blue line and gave him the space he needed for a, a cross ice pass to a streaking golden knight who hit the goal post on the shot. Um, those are the kinds of things I think we need to see a little more consistency <clears throat> from the, the drop of the puck all the way through the game. He, he, um, so I don't – I would say probably not ready to make the team out of camp at this point, but, you know, there's still a bunch of preseason left. Um, there are there are flashes of, of what you we're going to expect and what we're going to get out of Cody Glass. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just don't think that consistency is there with the player yet. Okay, well, he's still a young guy, and the way that the makeup of their roster, there's nothing wrong with that, to be honest with you. For so, sure. Uh, if he spends you know, another he, another season in Chicago, and then either Cody Eakin moves at the deadline and he comes up at that point, or they allow Eakin's contract to run out and free up cap space at the end of the season, and he spends the whole year in Chicago, it's not going to hurt him at all. Uh, Long term, he's going to probably be the second-line center for the Golden Knights. Um, Stastny's deal is going to expire Eakin's deal is expiring this year and that might just be the timeline that fits him in the growth of this game as as he you know he only played a handful of AHL games last year in the playoffs and he did very well but going through the full grind of a professional season might be something he needs um, to to build that consistency from the start of the game to the end of the game and through a full season of professional hockey yeah, I would, I would circle January 1. I wouldn't be surprised if around that time, half a year in the AHL, if he's in, um, he shows he's ready. 
<coughs> excuse me, that could be a, a date to kind of to kind of circle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or or you know, an injury to to they have sure. they, they played him they played him a little bit at wing too, uh, notably on the power play. So they're, they're they're expanding his repertoire a little bit as well, and I'm sure they'd like to see more minutes played. Uh, kind of in that role too. So, um, yeah, Cody Glass looks fine. There's a consistency thing that, that doesn't worry me, but it is there. Um, that's that's really about it for my training camp report this week, sir. All right, sounds good. And I did see that uh, Thomas Shabbat signed a very long, uh, an eight-year extension with Ottawa. So what came to my head is, uh, you know, the player gets that long-term security. Uh, the team locks up one of their future young stars, and uh, the fan base gets to breathe a little bit of a, a sigh of relief. Uh, you know, they just lost a couple of their uh, stars this past year with, at the trade yeah. deadline. So, so uh, even though that they had team control over Shabbat for uh, a number of years, uh, it's a win-win for the player, for the organization, and for the fan base. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had Shabbat on my fantasy team last year, and until he got hurt, he was he was a beast. Um, we uh, it, it's interesting. I wanted to get your take on on some of the RFA signings. And you look at at Shabbat, and then Provorov got six years, forty million. Konechny got six years, thirty three million. So Philly took care of their business and signed the long term deals. And these are all RFA's that didn't come to camp and and didn't sign deals. But then. More traditionally, you might say, with, with Besser, McAvoy, and, and Brennan Carlo, um, they also were, I don't want to say holdouts, but didn't sign a deal until this week. Um, Brock Besser in Vancouver, three years, 5.87. McAvoy, three years, 4.9 million. And Carlo, two years, 2.8 million. So those are more of the traditional bridge deals that we see um, with RFAs and with Shabbat, Provorov, and Konechny. It seems like they were able to, I don't know, play play their leverage or, or you know, whatever. But those those three players were locked up, kind of, you know, not eight year full, of course, but six years is is quite a bit for guys coming off their entry level contract. I just wanted to get your take on on owners winning, players winning, combination of both. Uh, do you think any of those deals stands out to you? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the the player salaries keep going on up and up, you know, um, and uh, it's, it makes managing the cap. But what jumps out to me is it makes managing the cap that much more difficult uh, for these general managers. So uh, it makes it very diff- uh, tough on them when they have a big swing and miss on their cap or, and, uh, you know, they have to lock up the going rate for these players. And uh, you said Provorov got – you know, forty million for six years, so he nearly got seven million. You know, it's a different position. Or even Kanetji, I think he signed five. Was it five to thirty-three, or was it six to thirty-three? <clears throat> Something like that. Uh, six, six yeah. for thirty-three, sir. Yeah. So you know, and you know, it'll be interesting too to see those kind of deals, what impact they have on the Chucks and. Uh, uh, Lainez and uh, who else am I missing? Uh, Miko Ratnan, who is still unsigned. Uh, right. They might say, even if they play a different position, hey, I'm twice the player that they are, and uh, Provorov got nearly $7 million. 
and I won ten million, and they wanted to pay me seven and a half. So uh, yeah, sometimes things like that can uh, cause a monkey wrench on some other negotiation. Yeah, um, real quick, uh, Mark Scheidt joining us from the Hockey Writers. Um, real quick, I wanted to get your take. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Do you think Winnipeg starts the season without Line and Connor? I, I remember last week when we had Jeff Ponder on, and I'll go with what he said. Uh, check out that episode on previewing the Central. He believes that he thought that Connor would be done and Line A could be kind of tricky. So uh, I think that's that's what I would expect. All right, well, now Mark Shai is joining us. He covers the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Erie Otters for the Hockey Riders and the Cleveland Monsters for Inside AHL Hockey. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Mark Scheig, S-C-H-E-I-G, and uh, always a good friend of the show and generous with his time. He's going to help us look at the Metropolitan Division this week. Mark, good day to you, sir. Hello, boys. Nice to be back. Absolutely. Hockey is back. You know, I always I always follow along on the uh, on social media and when people start throw, uh, flashing their credentials out online, it's like, okay, hockey's back. Uh, and I, and I saw this week that your credentials came through for the blue jackets and the otters. So congratulations on that. And we're getting ready to kick off another season in the national hockey league, sir. And well, absolutely. And actually I'm doing double duty. We're doing this interview and we're currently watching the first period of the Penguin Blue Jacket preseason game. So, yes, hockey is very much in full swing now. And, and I did see, I think, online that you uh, celebrated an anniversary. So, congratulations on that with your lovely lady. Thank you. Five beautiful years. And she deserves all the credit because she's the one that allows me to do all this. So, you know, very, very underrated thing. Pick somebody that's going to allow you to live your dream out. That's the most important thing me and my wife have been together 30 years coming up in January and it, wow. it's certainly not because I'm a good looking be easy to get along with or or uh, I really don't know why she's put up with me for so long but uh, she has so so congratulations to you sir I know that's a lot of hard work and and that's a good thing you as well 30 years that's awesome Whew, yeah. Well, anyway, let's get some hockey talk, sir. We uh, had you on at the trade deadline, and we, and we talked about what the uh, scenarios were. Let's go right into your wheelhouse with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, tough off season, you know, big players are gone. How is the feeling in camp this year, and what are the expectations in the fan base? Huh. Team is unusually confident. The fan base, it really depends on who you ask. There are some that are really looking forward to the season because they, they they don't feel like that they've fallen that far off considering where they were from last year. Then there are others who think they're a lottery team. And then there's everybody else that just has no idea. And that's why I think for this team, the Blue Jackets, it is going to be perhaps the most fascinating season in their history, just given the wide range of outcomes that they have. Um, there's just, they, there's questions that have to be answered. Um, the team themselves, they're, they're pissed off just because there's a lot of people that have already written them off. And the ones that are there have um, a big chip on their shoulder to show that they're, they're still going to be around. So what's ultimately going to happen with this team? You know, it's up to the players. You know, they have to go out and perform and, you know, we'll see where it ends up, but honestly, I have no idea what to expect from this year. 
Well, I, you know, I was thinking about it getting ready for the show, and Duchesne was a, a, a trade deadline acquisition. Um, and so go back previous to that. They really, I mean, a big been made out of the, the picks they traded away to get everybody, and we'll see the result of that in years to come. But for this season, you really um, you got to hope Corpusalo comes in and, and can take the brunt of the load uh, from Bobrovsky, and you've got to pick up Panarin scoring. And if you look at it from that perspective, I don't think that uh, the sky is falling. This is a very competitive group. Um, they they do show up to play, and they play hard every night. Tortorella is not going to let that part of the character leave the room, and I think the, the leadership in the room is going to demand that as well. So answering mm-hmm. those two questions, is, is Corpus Allo going to be up to the task, and maybe not at a Bobrovsky level, but sufficient with, with the, the defense that he has in front of him? And where would that extra scoring come from? Mm. A lot to unpack there, but let's kind of look at a couple of different things. Like if you look at the overall team first off, if they get league average goaltending, the Blue Jackets are on the playoff bubble. If you look top to bottom, and that's where the question is going to be, who? You know, Corpusell is going to get the first shot. He's never he hasn't played more than 31 games in an NHL season to date. His backup or his projected backup, Elvis Merzlikens, is in North America for his first ever season of um, NHL hockey. So the obvious question is, can they get 9-10 goaltending? We really don't know. There's Corpusell's had time when when he's been thrown into the fire and he's had um, a chance to play extended. He's had some good moments. It's just can he do it over 40, 50, even more games? Or is Merzlikens, you know, he, he's a confident kid, and he, he, he's got some adjustments to make, but can, if Corpusello can't, can he be the one? And the team's already come out and said that they, don't, they didn't go out, out and get a goaltender because they believe in who they have. So that's going to be fascinating right there. Who's right? Is the team right in giving the kids a chance, or should they have gone out and addressed that need? That's going to be one thing. If, if they get 900 or less goaltending, they're a lottery team, in my opinion. If they get 910, they're on the playoff bubble. If they approach 915, 920, they're a playoff team because the rest of the roster, the defense is solid. The forwards, yeah. even though they lost a lot of talent, and going to your question about scoring, Cam Atkinson had 41 goals last year. He's still there. Pierre-Luc Dubois was their number one center last year. He's got another year of experience under him. Um then you have a second line right now of Nick Foligno, Boom Jenner, and Josh Anderson. Anderson and Dubois are both in a contract year, so they're each going to be motivated as heck to try to make up for some net scoring. The, the keys for me are going to be Oliver Bjorkstrand. This has to be the year for him. You know, there's two, his, some of his teammates think he can pot 30. He's got the skill to do it. He just has to put everything together, and can, can this be the year for him? And then ultimately, who is going to – play Panarin's spot. Right now, Alex Texier is up there, but we're going to we got to talk about Sonny Milano. You know, he, he may or may yeah. not make the team, but there's an opportunity there. You know, he's got offense. He plays the left wing. Panarin was the left winger. Is this the year that maybe, just maybe, he finally puts everything together and, you know, goes into a very important spot in the lineup? Um, so many questions, though. 
Yep. Well, um, let's uh, let's roll into the rest of our preview. Let's head over to Washington, who's had a, a little bit of turnover in their forward core. They're they're really their depth players. They weren't happy with how a few of the guys came through in the in the playoff loss to Carolina. And uh, Burakovsky's gone. Connolly's gone. Devontae smith Pelly, who played a big role in the Stanley Cup final against the Vegas Golden Knights, also moved on. Um, Orpik retired. Radko Gutis came in in the Matty Niskanen deal. How is this team going to be retooled and, and poised to go on another deep run in the playoffs, or is there still questions about forward depth on this club? Um, I think it's both. They have questions, but they still have Alex Ovechkin. They still have Nicholas Backstrom. They still have Kuznetsov. You start right there with that core. Um, John Carlson's still there. Um, Braden Holpe's still your goaltender. Um, so you got those guys in key spots that are just experienced. They know how to win. They've won a cup. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they've won the division for the last several years. So there's obviously a reason why they're doing it. Um, but at the same time, you're right. There, there's certainly some depth questions. It will be interesting to see what the actual gap is between where the Capitals have been and where the rest of the division is. And we're going to talk about it, um, another team in a moment in Carolina, I'm sure. But in my mind right now, I've got Washington winning the Metro again and Carolina coming in right behind them. Like it's razor thin. It is so close in my mind. But wow. when you have that when you have that kind of core, you, you, you until they actually fall off, they're going to be good. And you know, that's where I'm at with Washington. They um, they're going to be right there. It seems like they might be heading into a stage, and they they only had one deep run, and that was obviously the Stanley Cup. Um, but when we've seen recently with the salary cap and teams like the Kings and Chicago and you, you get on your, your peak and then those contracts start expiring and then you start having to make little depth changes to um, accommodate the fact that the guy that was a $2.5 million player ended, ends up now with a Stanley Cup on his resume who wants to be a $4.5 million player. <clears throat> now, they've only had the one deep run, but I, I wonder if, if that's going to end up happening with Washington. Like I said, it might be a bit of both here. Um, backup goaltending, obviously, Grubauer is on his way to Colorado now. Um, is that an area of concern? I think we've seen Holpe take uh, uh, some injuries the last couple of years. If Holpe's not injured, what do they do then? Phoenix Copley is their backup. Grubauer's been in Colorado, but they believe in Copley. I mean, they obviously have to be – someone has to be able to play. Hope he's not going to play all 82 games. But you know, there, there's enough of a belief there that um, yeah, they trusted. They they didn't go out and really get anybody else for that matter. So um, the belief is there. And ultimately, yeah, he, the, the, the Metro – we're going to talk about this. It's razor thin. I mean, you, you look at all these different teams and everything that they've done off-season-wise, whether they've improved, whether they've lost players. It, 
in my mind, there really isn't a runaway winner. And I think that's what's going to make everything just so fascinating to watch. Until I see it, though, until someone actually goes out and does it, I just don't see, at least just for this season, the team that's going to be able to knock off Washington with all the, when all the chips are down. I know Carolina did it last year, and they certainly can do it, but they got questions too. And I, when it comes down to it, they've got the players. They've got the future Hall of Fame. You've got a couple future Hall of Famers out there, actually three of them from my count so far. And they're they're right there. They're gonna they're gonna still win the Metro in my mind. All right, real quick before I bring Chris in for a few uh, other teams here in the division, we did the Central last week, and we think that division also is going to be really tough and probably um, put two wild card teams in. Is is the Metropolitan? going to be as competitive within the division as what we think the central is going to be. It sounds like you think so. I, I do. Yeah, I do. Maybe for a different reason. I think that a lot of the teams in the central, uh, I know Winnipeg's an ultimate wild card out there, but you look Nashville, it's going to be really good. Colorado's just going to be sick and good. I think some yeah. people are kind of lo- overlooking Chicago, but you know, if they can figure out their defense, you know, they brought Robin Lehner in the backup, Corey Cropper, and they've got a pretty insane top nine. If you consider they can throw Taves on one line, Kane on a second line, and Debrinkin on a third line, and that's pretty good as well. Um, St. Louis is the champs, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be ultra competitive. And the, and the same thing, just I think for a slightly different reason, I don't think there's as many top teams in the Metro per se, but they're really close together. And that's, what's going to make it really fascinating. Like, you know, at the end of the day, how many teams could, could conceivably win the Metro? I think four. Um, and wow. it just depends on injuries who can stay healthy the longest and, you know, who can get a break here or there. Hey Mark, it's Chris. Great to talk to you again. So I'm going to talk to you about hey, uh, Carolina and the three New York Metropolitan teams. So last mm-hmm. year when we had you on, you loved the Canes. In fact, you were one of the few people who were, who had very high expectations. And, uh, and now a year later, you definitely look like a guru uh, with that prediction. <laughs> now, Absolutely. Justin Williams is uh, is gone. He's I guess not a hundred percent retired, but he kind of is. I guess. Uh, lose his production and is obviously the captain of the team. Uh, McElhaney is is gone and James Reimer is now the backup. Furland is gone and DeHaan is gone. I know they have a couple of youngsters uh, fighting to get on the roster and they have a good pipeline. Um, and they may they got Eric Hollow from Vegas. Um, do you still love them? Oh, I still love them. In fact, yeah, I, I believe that. They finished just behind Washington in the Metropolitan Division. Um, Sebastian Ajo is only going to get better. Um, they picked Ryan Dezingle up, who didn't work out in Columbus, but you know he's still somebody that knows how to score goals when put in the right situation. You mentioned Halla. Um, I really love it. Andre Svechnikov is going to be an absolute stud. Tavo Teravainen, same thing. Um, the defense is still as good. Um, interesting to see what they do with Justin Falk, of course, but um, 
Ann Morazic, they got Reimer, they brought in Anton Forsberg. It's just looking at the underlying numbers, though, it's just everything about they play fast, they're fun. I think top to bottom in their forward line, there's a threat to score in every line. Just everything that they seem to do, um, they play real solid defense. They're probably the fastest team in the Metro for my money. Um, they're just they're just a tough out all the time. And ultimately, the question here is going to be: Can they still get the goaltending that they got last year? They have the defense, and they've got some really young, talented scores that are only going to get better. So, in my mind, for my money, I think the highest upside in terms of just the overall youth that they have resides in Carolina and we haven't even talked about who's in Charlotte or who's going to be in Charlotte that are knocking on the door and they have a really talented farm system too so they're really set up here for quite a long time if they um, you know want to do that so I'm going to go over to the Islanders team uh, uh, I know very well and uh, <laughs> in terms of the Isles you know I forget who it was I want to give them there to I think, I don't know if it was PSN, it was a major uh, either network or publication that predicted the in the preseason for the Islanders to come sixth in the Metro, which, you know, the, the, the team absolutely loves. They love that underdog role. They love, they really rally around uh, kind of getting disrespected, which they've had over the last number of years, sometimes warranted, sometimes not. Are you a big believer in Trot and Lamorello and what they're building on Long Island and do you expect them to show last year was not a fluke? I don't think they fall all the way to six. I mean, certainly it could happen, I suppose. I don't, I don't expect them to finish second in the Metro. Um, but, you know, I know they re-signed um, Anders Lee. But what, what else did they really do? I mean, I know Varlamov's the goalie now with um, Laner being out. But did they really improve anywhere, though? I know they're going to be good because Trotz is there, Lamoureux is there, like you said. They believe in defense. They believe in what they're doing. Um, it's just I in a division where a lot of teams got better. I just don't see the Islanders in that boat. They certainly were not like Columbus where they lost a lot of people. They just, in my mind, didn't gain very much. And I think their success is going to come down to can Varlamov perform at or near a level that Laner did last year? Can the defense continue to be as good as it was? And then can they get some goal scoring? I mean, obviously they're going to look at Barzell's of the world and you know the, the, the same core. So there's going to be some that are going to expect that they fall off. I just don't think it's going to be as dramatic because defensively they're still really, really good. And, I actually have them kind of penciled in right now just to give you an idea. I have them the first wild card. I have them fourth in the Metro. Well, I think the key to their success, they they basically brought everyone back who was a free, an unrestricted free agent, which was quite a number of them, in Everly mm-hmm. and in, in yep. Lee and in Brock Nelson. Uh, they, did lose, they did wind up not signing Leonard, which was interesting how that played out. But I think they, they wanted Varmolmoff. Yep. Going back to last year when Lou first took over, uh, and then there's the Sorkin effect, who he's like best buds with, and uh, so that says Lou quote Lou is a fringe benefit. Uh, the key with the Islanders is their depth. 
they are a 20-man roster. They throw four forward lines at you, four defensive lines at you, and they have two goalies who can play at a high level for 40 games. So they can keep both of those guys fresh. So they throw a lot of numbers, you know, at you, and they play, uh, you know, they play very well without the puck uh, since Trotz has come, come here. The key with the Islanders is, I'll tell you this, is there it comes down to really scoring goals, and we saw this in the playoffs. When the Islanders score three goals or more in the regular season last year, uh, they were 37-2-2. Two and two. And yep. uh, coincidentally, in the playoffs, they scored at least three goals in every game against Pittsburgh, and they swept them. And they failed to score three goals in any game against Carolina, and they got swept. And then, yep. and then convert, conversely, the Islanders either were shut out or scored one goal in 21 games last year, so that's 25% of the season. So that's where they did not – now they're hoping some of their skill guys being in year two under trot uh, mm-hmm. will, will, be, will be better. And I actually bring all that up because uh, I have a, 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 a side question. A friend of mine put yep. on Twitter out there, it seems by all uh, indications that Noah Dobson, who I know you're a big fan of from working with us on our mm-hmm. draft shows, is ready to yep. roll in the NHL. Dynamic young player. The Islanders are very deep on defense, but they're going to make uh, room for him. My friend put out there, would you trade Noah Dobson if you were Lou Lamorello in, in a package for Patrick Line? If you, Mark Strike, was the uh, – got to whisper and lose the year, what would you say to that? Well, if if I knew that Line A was signing a long-term deal there, I would absolutely yep. do that. Interesting. Uh, that. That's not even a thought, if, if that's the conversation we're having. Um, you're right. talking about a goal scorer that's only going to get better, who can get you at least 30. Um, and, of course, the biggest need on the Islanders, as you said, is goal scoring. And then I failed to mention former Blue Jacket Derek Broussard's on the team, too, so you wonder if they'll have a little carved in there somewhere. But, yeah, the answer to that um, question, Dobson's great. Um, Bodie Weil is somebody I'm very interested in seeing what happens with him. He probably doesn't make it this year, but it's very interesting for the future. If you have a chance to get a a very high-end elite goal scorer, 99 out of 100, you do it. All right, let me run through these last two teams here. The Devils. They had Jack Hughes, number one overall pick in tow. They trade for yep. Kukia and Subban, use their cap space. They take a chance on Wayne Simmons. Is that enough for them to be a playoff contender and convince Taylor Hall to stay? And just talking about the Islanders from two years ago, the Devils were well aware of being in this local area seeing how the John Tavares situation played out and the Islanders wind up losing him for nothing. How did uh-huh. the Devils navigate the tail of whole waters? Well, it's a big year for them, obviously, because of what you just said. You know, they want to give him every reason to stay in with Hughes and Heashier now as your one-two center. It's good, but you only get one chance at free agency as well. So they're going to have to be really careful with this. And they, they're going to have to try to do everything that they can this year to get as far as they can. I just wonder if their goaltending is good enough to find a playoff spot. Um, 
they've made obvious improvements. You know, Forward-wise, they're going to be a very fun team to watch. Um, you know, what about on defense too? You know, like they, they just there's there's questions in my mind. It's just like you think of what are the roads that will lead the New Jersey Devils to the playoffs? I know they picked up Subban. I know they're obviously better. No question they're better than last year. But are they better enough that they're going to crack the, the door? I'm not quite there yet. I mean, they're certainly going to be in the conversation. They're going to be in the fight. Just what the problem is the division. I just I feel like that they are right on the outside looking in. Like if 92, 93 points was the cutoff, they're kind of in that upper 80s for me. Um, now if they get um, better than I expect goaltending, then they're in the conversation to make it. And that's why I feel like, you know, can Mackenzie Blackwood be the answer? Or, you know, is, is the current situation they have, is that going to be good enough? Obviously we'll find out. And then finally to me, the Rangers, you know, they add Panarin on July 1st. They trade for Truba. Uh, they have youngsters, Keiko and Fox, uh, coming on board. But, you know, Mark, last year, uh, and that's a lot of talent, but last year their defensive numbers and their defense was awful. <laughs> Excuse me, their Corsi numbers, both for and against, were awful. And Lundqvist, it is, is, it is in late 30s now and just got a year older. Um, where are they at in terms of being a uh, playoff contender? Very similar to the Devils. Fun, much improved, but they're very young in a lot of spots. I know Trub is in now and Fox is in on defense. The Kako craps off. So you got a lot of really intriguing prospects. They have a great farm system. It's just, yeah, the gap for them to be able to get to that playoff cutoff, though, that's where I've got a question. You're right. Lundqvist, you know, he, he is a year older. I know that um, if there's improved play in front of him, you know, he'll perform better. I'm just not sure that they've improved enough yet to get into the conversation. Do they have a chance? Absolutely. Definitely not impossible. It's just the jump that they have to make um, is, is very significant, and very few teams are able to do that. Now, adding a player like Panarin, who's, you know, a top 10 player in the league in my mind, or someone who can – just affect the game, put him and Kako together. There's dynamite there, and they certainly could pop off, but they were bad last year. And there's a lot of things that they have to improve on if they hope to make it this year. I'm of the belief that starting next year, they're going to be a consistent visitor to the playoffs, but this year we need to temper our expectations. All right, we're going over the Metropolitan Division with Mark Scheig from the Hockey Writers. Um I'd like to get into the Flyers a little bit because I was I was really high on them last year and then uh, Van Riemsdyk got injured and it kind of got them off to a slower start. Now they have the coaching change and bringing in for the nil, and they gave Kevin Hayes kind of a head scratcher of a deal, but nevertheless he's there as a second line center, and maybe that lets Nolan Patrick have a, a year down on third line center to you know not have as much pressure on him maybe um even though he had a decent year last year nothing nothing wrong with what he did how does how how are your feelings about the philadelphia flyers we did see Provorov and connecting both come into camp so that's no longer an issue um and i i like coach vigno with this group of players Mm -hmm. that's a good call 
Now, I'll put it to you this way. Um, here, here's a question I have for both of you, and I'm really curious to see. If I, if I told you that one of two teams would be in the playoffs and the other one was out, between Philadelphia and Florida, where are you guys at? Ooh, that is a good question. I'm going to – oh, another – that's a tough one. Um, that's the, that's where I'm going with this. Because yeah, that's almost a coin flip there. That's uh, Yeah, you're talking about the fourth well, Atlantic team. Carter Hart potentially so young, it's kind of hard to, uh, you know, over a full season – uh, well, right. I think he's going to be a, a terrific for the long term. And um, you mentioned Van Riesdijk getting off to the injury. He he always gets hurt. It feels like he's only gotten older. Um, yeah, that's a, I, I see flaws with both. I see things I like with both teams and things I'm worried about with both teams. So I, that's a coin flip to me. I know that's a total cop out, but uh, um, that's a that's a close. Uh, the divisions are. Metro's deeper, but uh, Atlantic's better at the top. Uh, that's a coin flip. My You're question my about point. Florida, yeah, can Coach Q um, change the culture with that room? We know they have the talent to be a playoff team in Florida. Um, they don't. They don't have no. great depth, though. And I, we've talked and, and about this in the on. past, Chris. There was there's something missing um, yeah. since. Coach Gallant was let go, and I don't know if it's in the room, and I don't know if there's a, a commitment to play dirty hockey, not dirty as in as in cheap shotting, but to get into the dirty areas and and play playoff style hockey when it's required during the regular season. And I don't I don't know what the it is that's been missing from Florida, but there's certainly a, a, an element that. Is it has been missing, so I gotta believe that Coach Q, with his pedigree and what he's been able to accomplish, and Bobrovsky definitely being the upgrade on Luongo, if that there's can be enough of a culture change in Florida and a commitment mm-hmm. to do what it takes. Um, if I if you had to put a gun to my head, I'm gonna say Florida. I think they might need a year or two down in, down in Florida. I mean, I'm gonna say Philly. I think mm-hmm. that the fit between um, Vigneault and that group of players is a more uh, turnkey fit, if you will. And and mm-hmm. there might be um, a little bit of pushback, maybe not publicly, but um, an adjustment period in Florida to, to the Coach Q way of doing things. Yeah, and you know, it's great points by both of you on this, and that's why – that's kind of where the cutoff is for me because I, I do like ultimately what Philadelphia did in the off season. I get the logic. I just don't, I'm not entirely convinced of where they settle in because there's part of me that says that, um, you know, Carter Hart, you know, being the, the future of goaltending there and some of the moves that they made, obviously signing Kevin Hayes, Matt Niskanen is there now. Um, Justin Braun is there now. There's obviously there's a veteran presence there. You know the the Elaine Vigneault way is, you know, taking a group and you know, especially of veterans like that and you know and making something work. I, I think that in my mind, in terms of just a from a coaching standpoint, the Vigneault hire in Philadelphia is was one of the best ones this off season just because 
He, we, we know what he is, and I think that that's what's been missing in Philadelphia. He's going to demand accountability, and he's going to bring that to Philadelphia. And that's what kind of, I have them as fifth in the Metro, but I have them as the last playoff spot just in ahead of Florida. It's razor thin for me, but I really believe in what's going on there. There's a lot of young talent there. I love the fact that Brian Elliott is there. Um, so when Hart needs to rest, they have a capable backup that can step right in and continue to help win games. Um, but it's, it's just so razor thin. That it's going to come down to one or two games that I think the Vino factor cannot be overlooked with the Flyers, even though at the same time I could totally see a scenario where they fall short. I, I just think that they do make it. Yeah, I, I think we're on the same page right there for sure. Well, let's, that's going to bring us to Pittsburgh and, and – one of the uh, obviously story storylines going into the season for Pittsburgh is Phil Kessel is no longer there after kind of a weird um, traded to Minnesota, nixed the deal. Minnesota signs Zuccarello and then fires their general manager, and then uh, they end up with a deal for Arizona and for Gal- Galchenyuk, I believe. Um, how, how does Kessel's absence affect this Pittsburgh Penguins team? Hmm. That's a great question because you can have an on the ice and an off the ice answer to that. Um, yeah. On the ice, you're obviously going to miss what he brings. You know, he, he could carry a line. He's obviously um, wonderful shot, just an offensive threat. So there's obviously, they're going to miss him there. What Galchenyuk can bring can offset the loss, but he's not Phil Kessel. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they go over, you know, will Evgeny Malkin kind of get back to the way he's used to playing after having a little bit of a disappointing season by his standards? Put it this way, as long as Crosby's there, as long as Malkin is there, they're always a threat. My question, though, is when you start to get down in the lineup a little bit, especially on defense, are they good enough? And that's the thing that has me – I knocked them down a peg because – their stars are getting older, so the window is starting, you know, not this year. They're still going to be fine this year, but you're, you still have to consider that it's going to start to run out on them a little bit because they're not going to be around for forever. And their farm system, you look at the guys on their way up, you know, compared to the rest of the league, it's not that good. So if they're going to do anything, they've got to they still have a couple of years to do it. I just wonder about some of the depth. And I wonder if Matt Murray has another level. You know, there are certain times last year where, he wasn't up to the standard of when he was winning cups. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes out as well. I do have them um, in a solid third in the Metro, though. Crosby and Malkin, they're still there. Malkin has a point to prove um, after having a little bit of a disappointing season last year. Gensel's still there. He still can bury the puck on Crosby's line. Um, uh, we'll, We'll see where it goes from there. Third. Well, you, you, you've spaced it out a little bit, but go ahead and give us your uh, projected order of finish for the Metro real quick before we have to let you go. Okay, projected order of finish. So I have the Capitals barely over Carolina, so Capitals one, Hurricanes two. I have Penguins third, Islanders fourth, Flyers fifth, and then I have um, – Blue Jackets at six, 
than Devils Rangers. So you you have your Blue Jackets out of the playoffs. I do have them just outside. I'm mm. I haven't I'm the goaltending in my mind at the end of the day. Like if I knew that I could get nine fifteen to nine twenty from them, that would be the, enough of a difference for me. But I haven't seen it yet. Um, so until I'm proven otherwise, I do have them just outside because I mean, they lost a lot of people too, and they've got potentially up to four rookies coming into the lineup after to being played big minutes. They have roads to the playoffs. It's just a lot of things have to go right for them. And then given how good the rest of the division is, I, I just I do not see it. All right, Mark. Chris, you have any last thoughts for Mark before we let him go? No, no. It's always great to have Mark on. We look forward to having him back on. Hopefully we can, we can get him to sign on the dotted line and join our uh, annual mock draft show, which – He's done, I think, every year except for the first year. So uh, I'm sure we'd have him walk on. (laughs) You'll never have to worry about that. Right on. We appreciate that. I'm always in. It's always great to talk with you guys. Absolutely, absolutely. Good luck down the road, and and we'll talk to you soon, sir. Talk to you soon. Thanks, boys. Yep. All right. We we had uh, Mark Scheig from the Hockey Riders. Um, covers the Columbus Blue Jackets and Erie Otters over there. Um, oh, I just lost my my feet. Anyway, um, no, another great season preview. Chris, where are you at with your Metro predictions? Yeah, I think for the top three, uh, we'll save the wild cards for the, the next week when we do the Atlantic for the East. Uh, I'm going to go with Washington, even though there's some questions there. They are getting a year older. Like Backstrom is, uh, I think, 32 now. So it's going to be interesting because, you know, Backstrom and, and uh, Hopi are both uh, on the last year of their deals and their UFAs. Um, and I think Hopi will be 30 at the end of the right, end of the season and Backstrom will be 32. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of tack they take. But um, I'm going to go with Washington uh, by default until proven otherwise. Uh, I don't want to pick the Islanders second. Um, from the, I, I want to pick them a little farther down, but I feel like people are underestimating them a, a little bit. Like I mentioned before, their depth is is very big, and I, I, you know if they get score enough, they're on there. They really are uh almost unbeatable and i do think that some of their skill guys like Eppley, who his game really came into play from like february on takes a little time under kind of like playing trox's way and still you know you're going to give up some offense no doubt but um you know finding that nice that balance if you will i think they're going to have a couple of youngsters to help them along the way this year keep your eyes on you know dobson Oliver Wallstrom will probably start in the AHL, but he's a phone call away. Same thing for Kiefer Bellows, a couple former first-round, recent first-round picks. And like I said, they kill you with numbers. You know, they, they they can play four lines, three lines on defense and space out the minutes and, they you know, and the goaltending as well. I wanted to pick Carolina, too. The problem I have with Carolina is the goaltending. And losing, going from McElhinney, who played in 33 games last year in the regular season and then was really good in the in the playoffs, uh, to Remar, uh, James Remar is a big drop-off. And, you know, Mrazek, uh, I don't know if he's a guy who can who can play 55-plus games. So um, that's the question I have with Carolina. 
it, um, I like I agree with everything Mark said uh, along those other lines, but uh, uh, so I have Carolina third, and, and not your Islanders. Islanders have second. I'm going to go. They oh, finished okay. second last year. I think they were a point out of uh, uh, out of winning the division. Trotz has uh, got another year knowing this. He's got he went in blind last year with the Islanders. He knows this team now, and um, yeah, I, like I said, guys like Casey Sezikis are just so under the radar. Scored 20 goals last year. It's a pit bull. Plays two way hockey, so uh, they can get a little bit more scoring, and especially if they can uh, with a new coach from Toronto. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, get one, get that power play to the middle of the pack. Uh, that would go a long way. Yeah, well, I think I got to go with with both of you and take Washington as as the the top of this division. I think um, until proven otherwise, and they've had a longer off season than the previous year to. <laughs> Maybe recharge the batteries a little bit. Maybe get past. You know, you have the Stanley Cup hangover, and then you got the hangover that the Washington Capitals had after partying with the Cup all summer. And I don't know if that caught up to them in the playoffs uh, towards the end of the season, or you know, you know what uh, what happened. Carolina was on a great run, so I got to I got to say Washington comes back motivated. for another long trip to the playoffs. Um, I, I don't think the Islanders was a fluke, and, and this might be calling the sky blue, but I think a big key is is can Matthew Barcel um, up his goal scoring, specifically his, his goal scoring output on a consistent basis. Um, yeah, like you said, yes, you have to, Sacrifice a little bit of offense for to play under Barry Trotz, but I, I'd love to see him go to that next step. Um, so, with the Islanders, Jesus, I, I think defensively and goaltending, they're going to maybe edge Carolina for three. And I'm I'm going to go surprise and take Philadelphia to be the second-place team in this division. I really like Coach Vignol and with that group of players. And I watched them a little bit the other night, and I, I really like what's happening in Philadelphia. So we'll save our wild cards for next week when we look at the Atlantic division. Um, final thoughts, Chris? Yeah, no, I think it's interesting to, to division. I think there's a lot of uh, things in play. Um, you know, it's interesting. Vigneault had a reputation up here with the Rangers while he did an amazing job up here for them. And a lot of – didn't win the cup, but a lot of great results uh, got them very far. He, the bugaboo about him was he did not trust young players enough, and he really rode the veterans. Um, so we'll be, you know, the Phillies – uh, roster uh, kind of rely on those young players. So anyway, uh, but, but yeah, so I think a very interesting division to say the least. All right. Oh, and next, well, next week, yeah. next week, 
we have Dan Harrigan coming uh, in, a Tampa Bay Lightning insider, to break down the Atlantic for us. All right. We talked with Mark Scheig on the Metropolitan Division today. For Chris, I'm Mark, and you're gone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.